This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. I hope you can follow along with this. Two licensed psychologists, both female, who met in grad school and ultimately got married, have a practice together. But they think the process of traditional therapy is too slow. So they inject a healthy dose of clairvoyance into the mix by way of a third partner, a medium. It's all very amazing and complicated and quite frankly, remarkable. Coming up, you'll meet one of a two-part interview. Licensed psychologists and wives, Dr. Anna Huff and Dr. Teresa Reyes-Castillo, and third-generation clairvoyant medium and healer, Terry Galuska. Together, they demonstrate their amazing combined skills as a team of coaches on me. There are tears and revelations. You'll hear their stories and why this combination isn't as simple as it seems. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Wow, so we have three guests in the room, and this is very exciting for me because this is a first. We have, actually, why don't we just go around and have everyone introduce yourselves? Why don't we start with Terry? I'm Teresa Galuska. I am a clairvoyant uh, medium and a healer, and I'm with Visions of Light and also with these lovely ladies in a group practice called Center for Conscious Living. Thank nice to meet you, here. Julie. I'm Dr. Anna Huff. I'm a clinical psychologist in practice with my wife. We do collaborative therapy, and she's here. And we are at Being Centered, and we are so happy to be here. Our work is in collaboration with Terry, and we absolutely love it. And thank you for having us here. Thank you for coming. Uh, Dr. Reyes Castillo, part of Being Centered and the collaboration with Terry Galuska. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited to hear about each and every one of you, your spiritual journeys, and how you are all collaborating. Um, Anna, why don't we start with you? Can you describe what brought you to this point to collaborate with your wife, Teresa, here? Yes. So, Teresa and I met in graduate school in California. And when we met, it was really rather magical what we created together. And we went through this process throughout graduate school that was hard. It was difficult in our relationship and also just being in graduate school. And when we ended our program, we moved over to the East Coast And we began doing a lot of exploration of spirituality and who we were within that and taking psychology where it has been and helping to expand it and open it up into something new. And so the journey's been really strange at times and really beautiful at times. And sometimes it's ugly. Spiritual journeys aren't always attractive or pretty. So, um, yeah. 
I feel like you would have more to share, Teresa. So, it how we started was rather difficult in the sense that we were totally overwhelmed with everything in grad school. And we were far away from our homes. So I was raised in Connecticut. Anna was from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And being in California was kind of foreign in and of itself. And then we were thrown into this graduate program, which was a struggle to get through especially for our relationship and starting a relationship. And then um, when we moved... Why was it a struggle? Well, um, the demands were so high for the graduate program and the demands of our relationship were so high because we're twin flames. So that coming together was powerful and messy and intense and then we had to function in a graduate program as well so that was hard yeah so it was almost like we were lifting each other up kind of higher and higher into these um, greater awareness places and we would pull out for each other pieces of past lives and um, our experiences together before here and at first we we had an inkling of what was going on, right, in our relationship and what was happening and the intensity of it. But as time grew, we became more and more familiar. But we had an, an initial piece in our relationship where we had to face all of that, where we had to work through what we'd been through and to allow that to surface and heal here and now, which was hard. <laughs> it was definitely hard. Um, it reached a a place and and we wrote about all of this in in our book that we have um we reached a place on the journey where it was almost this like a a stopping point where we said we can't if this doesn't break open into something we can't keep going you know we we need this to open up and expand into something and when we said that we ended up going on a retreat in California that's a a very treasured retreat for us um, out in an old mission in Jolin, California. And we went there for a weekend and it was a silent retreat. And it was then for us that things really started opening and expanding. And we started realizing more of our purpose as psychologists. And that was soon after we'd graduated. And so it opened up this whole new world and a different way of looking at people and a different way of helping people and a different way of of just existing it was beautiful beautiful and since then we have (laughs) worked really hard on figuring out what that is even and and what that means so taking psychology to a different level and incorporating these pieces of spirituality that are so needed um those pieces led us to our work with Terry. And we met Terry as part of that journey of figuring out our purpose in this field and, and here together and what we were meant to be doing and how we were meant to help. Can you describe what that collaboration is like 
with Terry. So from what I understand, um, Anna and Teresa, you are both um, clinical psychologists working together, um, kind of co- Co-therapists. Co-therapists. Mm-hmm. And, and then you met Terry. So tell us about what that journey was like. So initially part of the reason why we started doing the co-therapy and working together was we thought we were going to be working with couples. And then the couples never came, but we still worked together and saw individual people. And in that process, we met Terry at the Angel Co-op in Ridgefield, Connecticut, in the Shungite Room, which is a black room, uh, completely black on all sides. And she was there and bringing in all this light. And we met her there. And that's kind of what started everything as far as our collaboration. And now what we are starting to do is Terry does a beginning part. So she sets a landscape of the person. So the three of us will meet with a person. Uh, Terry does a reading. And in that reading, she incorporates a lot of different aspects of herself, like the clairvoyant, the mediumship. And she sets this picture of the person that's very clear for us to then work with and process and integrate all of the information that she just set up for us. So it's amazing. It is beautiful. And it seems to fast track people. Terry's able to access so much information that people are needing to hear in a place where they're wanting to hear but can't quite access what it is or they're saying something's not right or doesn't feel right and I can't figure out what it is or where I'm going or what I'm doing and and Terry has this just astounding gift of being able to pull those pieces to awareness and sometimes it's incredibly difficult for someone to hear or difficult to even process and integrate into their lives and um yeah that's where Teresa and I come in as far as helping people be able to incorporate that so they can keep moving forward versus having to take weeks, months to get the information actually processed and use it. Yeah. It's really interesting because in the work that I do, I find that it is very difficult sometimes for my client to pinpoint what exactly is the source of their concern or their worry. And and in therapy, it may take years and they may never get to pinpointing it, but accessing this other piece of information does fast track things. So this is actually very fascinating that all three of you are working together on this. Thank you. Terry, why don't you share about first your background, kind of how you came to doing this and more about this collaboration? Absolutely. I'm a Jersey girl. I'm born in about 22 miles from New York City. Um, I've had, I was raised by a mom from Britain and she was a healer. So I go, you know, in my family, there's two and three generational healers that are mediums and they also are clairvoyants. And my mom would train us in how to read our dreams um, when we woke up in the morning. 
So it all came out. Who had the gifts of prophecy, who could see what was coming in versus, you know, how we can pray against it or pray for it. <laughs> it depends. So I was pretty much trained very, very carefully um, and with a lot of humility and a lot of compassion, a lot of trust as well, um, believing that the world was a bigger place than just us and we had a big responsibility for it. My father was a navigation engineer, so he kind of wanted to really push the envelope of the spiritual. His mother was from Russia, and she read tea leaves and tarot cards, and she was a medium. So on both sides of the family in Britain, I would go on vacation, and we would do ghost busting in the houses and clear ghost places with ghosts in England with my aunt. And over here, it was, you know, just a place where my parents got together, and my mother was a war bride, and they just decided, I think we were there... Basically, we were there kind of like practice to see if these two sides of the family could come together with both spiritual paths. And they've created a kind of a science spiritual aspect with the way we were brought up. So I was taught how to read energy from a very young age and also how to work with energy with my hands. So I organically went into, you know, I'm kind of from the 70s working with the hands on healing and doing readings. Um, I um, organically kind of worked through it in that area, wound up in the financial um, area with my ex-husband with uh, commodity companies with London and New York and futures trading and also arbitrage company in Bermuda. So that was fun and fascinating being a futures reader with a futures trader. I was, that was very a big area. But I went back to my original roots and I wanted to go back into more of an organic lifestyle again. And I started to just add the training, you know, the Reiki training and the different types of training to understand what was happening both to myself and to the world around me. So as a visionary, I was seeing this energy come in. When we met, it was in a Shungite room in Ridgefield, Connecticut, and at the Angel Co-op. And it's a, it's a room that's got a healing stone from Russia. There's about two tons of it in the room, the only one in the United States. So I felt I was doing an initiative with not only what was happening in the world, it was happening with my DNA, with my grandmother. And it also had to do with Russia. I said, whatever this is, it has to be good because this room feels very right. And it had a anti-anxiety, it, it, it relieves people from anti-anxiety and anti-stress and also post-trauma. So, you know, I'm looking at the complexities of the people that I see coming in, how many people are coming in with so much more anxiety than I've ever seen in all the areas. I've worked with palliative care. I've worked in quite a few healing centers in Connecticut. I've worked in Manhattan before, after 9-11, and a bed and breakfast in Woodstock. And this is a time frame I'm seeing a lot of people want to know what the answers are, what's happening. So I'm the type of reader I can read grids around the body, um, energy grids. It's almost like a, you know, seeing a, a plane, you know, with the the um, latitude and longitude and also the different layers and levels. Mm -hmm. So I can pop open something that's around the energy field and see where the trauma is. So anything that's lost, hidden, stolen, it's around that area. So um, once I pinpoint it, point it with some sort of accuracy and going into the fact that it's there very gently, um, we will then, you know, lift this energy up a little bit further with our collaboration. But it's like saying, okay, these are the times uh, timelines we're looking at. And we're also looking at sort of connecting the dots and how this makes sense. What is being 
reorganized, what is being renewed or restored, and what is being redirected. And especially with this area of awakening that's going up, people are looking for the hope and the stress relief, but they're also looking for that sense of authentic identity within themselves. They're feeling that more. I see people absorbing it more. So this seems like a very progressed piece, and it feels like we kind of come from the future where ESP, uh, the psychological, the sense of honoring the spiritual, knowing that we are more than just physical bodies, there's an energy grid. And, you know, we're starting to start getting into some really fascinating things with medicine right now, understanding and honoring that we are energetic beings. So this brought us together on this initiative as far as the evolvement of humanity at this point. I feel that we are going to go through areas of our lives that we are going to need more insight, fast insight. And this is just part of what's happening with the initiation of the energy that's going on on the planet. Can you share an example of a client that you worked with? You can make it anonymous or maybe um, in, in whatever way you want to share, but I'd love to to see how this works, to have Terry with the kind of clairvoyance, intuitive information and how it dovetails with the therapy or coaching that you do. So I'll, I'll start and then I'll pass it over to my wife. So part of what Teresa and I do, um, it's very new to the field. So we do psychology, quote unquote, um, with individuals who have mental illness and who really need to go through those trenches um, and need that direct help and treatment for mental illness. And there's a, another component of what we do where we act as guides, so spiritual guides, soul guides. And, and that is more in alignment with the work that we do with Terry when we're all collaborating in one session together. Uh, if we do have patients that we're seeing for psychological services, we refer them to Terry. And Terry sees a lot of people that should be seen by psychologists. And Absolutely. she refers to us. And that's how the cross-referral happens. Terry set the stage up for for this individual who had questions about the direction in which her life was heading. So um, she was in this crossroads spot. And Terry clarified what the crossroads were and what she saw as far as two different paths or two different options, um, if she were to choose one over the other and what her inclinations were and what was driving both kind of roads. And what we did to help with that afterwards was to process the point in time that she was in to get her to that crossroad and what lead her to see which one she wanted more, essentially. Does that explain it? I think with um, also, yes, absolutely. With um, loosening it up into the spiritual, and I know you're on cl clinical codes of ethics, so I want to honor that, um, especially being so careful. 
you know, when you're looking at somebody, they're not always just processing a ton of stuff from their past. There's just a piece popping up that makes sense why they are holding back maybe at that present moment to go the higher route, to go the higher consciousness route. It's like taking the back road. You'll still get to the same destination or getting on the highway. Some people do need to go the back road because they need to learn their lessons a little bit more, you know, thoroughly. And then there's also those that say, okay, those are the lessons. I just need to take the highway and that's okay. I can see where this matters now. And they can just string that little pearl of thought into an absolutely beautiful necklace just by one session where they're connecting everything. I think that's it. You're stringing together, yes. Events, time frames, um, you know, making the power of now even more inviting to the fact that we are in a beautiful, expansive type of opportunity in the now to go into the past and the future. So I, I think explaining, to add on, so I think explaining what we do is, is rather complex because what we do is complex, right? And there are three of us, so it it really becomes complex. All at the same time in the same room. All at the same time in the same room with a client. And it flows. There's a synchronicity between us. So it's, there's no disjointed feel or awkwardness. There's this flow that picks up very quickly between us and a client that we're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's dynamic. It is very dynamic. Yeah, I would agree. They're able to go into it deeper knowing that they have the psychological background. Because, you know, as a reader, I'm very careful. I can be absolutely ever so careful. And what I don't want is to fragment the consciousness to the point of someone feeling like they have a lot of anxiety after a reading, or they want to see what the truth is behind that one door that I've just opened. Mm -hmm. They have the knowledge of how to walk in there very precisely and very accurately with their training. To be able to say, okay, here it is. We we just found it. We found where that piece was that that was stopping you from going there. Do you see it? And um, you know, with the time frame that opens up like that, it's just a very beautiful invitation into the psychological aspects of the soul, along with the spiritual dynamics of the soul, and along with the progression of that individual. That is the coolest way to describe it <laughs> ever. <laughs> I just have to say that's amazing. So um, that did help me put a bit more into words what Teresa and I do. So thank you for that. Um, Teresa and I have this way of understanding, and you can call it what you want, an intuitive understanding or being able to have um, the honor to be able to have that information here. But we have a way of knowing directly where to go in someone's unconscious and conscious and be able to ask the questions to pull up the information that's needing to surface to help them travel down their road better. So if someone's saying, well, I don't know, I just don't, it could be simple, I just don't like my job. Or someone's saying, I don't know, I'm having all these experiences with energy and I don't understand what's going on. Um, We're able to take that person through the emotional components, the components that may be stuck from their history here on this earth, Terry's able to pull from past lives, at which point Teresa and I can then help process that and where that's coming from. But it's almost like dipping down and, and going straight down to where the information stuck or fixated in the individual and breaking it up and freeing them from it so they can keep moving forward without having something holding them back. 
Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Oh, and God. and usually Terry's the one that goes down into a place where the person doesn't know what the problem is, right? And she Terry goes down, picks it up, pulls it up very gently, very nicely. Oh, here it is. And then it's conscious. <laughs> and then in the conscious is where we work. Kind of. I would get to the point where it integrates. I would say yes, and I um, and yes. you would say no, <laughs> and I right I, to some extent because particularly psychologically for an individual, there are a lot of pieces that are unconscious that we know are psychological and can help pull up. Mm -hmm. So I think there's like different layers of the unconscious right. that we're all working with. Mm -hmm. yes. how, yeah, deep, how deep is deep? I, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. I don't even know that, so <laughs> I don't. It's very deep. Coming up, you'll hear Anna, Teresa, and Terry demonstrate their combined skills on me. That's right after this. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Welcome to Hashtag Moms Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Parr. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Mom's Got This. <laughs> something you can try out on me for like five minutes sure yes yeah of course I'm, try. I'm just curious to see how it flows because it's very fascinating and i guess i'll be the divulging whatever <laughs> no patient confidentiality here <laughs> that's okay you're waving that i'm doing a public service for people there we go well, first of all, in your energy field, you have a lot of green light. So that means that you've been doing an amazing healing for about three years. That makes, um, you know, probably around four, it was coming in even more direct. You're picking up a lot. I'm pick up, picking up a lot from your 11th year. That being one of the areas that came into needing more stability, support, and also extending yourself into the future. So that one place is a place to kick off a lot more coming in. It's a big experience coming in right now for you, which is also in your future. And that's making a lot more public. Um, you know, I think you're going to be a lot more public also. There's a lot more energy of blue and the dynamic of the spiritual coming in, whether that's through books or, you know, going out and motivationally speaking. But a lot is coming through right now from about three months ago. You started a new initiative. That's what I'm getting right now. That something is threading its way through right now. It looks like it's ready to pop. So um, I see a lot of sparks in your energy field, which means that you are always looking at thought and theory. And you're always, you know, you're able to look at your soul continuously. And a lot of that comes from your heritage. About, you know, I see very many spiritual dimensions behind you supporting you through it. Um you know, your family were shakers and, and they, they stir it up things. They like to, 
you know, have a lot of leadership roles. So I see a lot of that also from the ancient ancestors, particularly the men in the family too. Um, you know, standing behind the women, the women sometimes thought that they were the ones running it, but sometimes it, you know, there was a couple of um, ancestors that are still very supporting you. Um, big um, growth um, a year ago, big growth, um, big growth recently over the less than a year. So a lot of that is, is a new level of consciousness, a new, le- new level of peeling off the old and putting in new structures and a lot more intuition coming through very random moments in time, but a lot of new um, insight. Basically, that's what I'm getting right now. Um, I would say that you were you could have ran a small country when you were about five years old. <laughs> you really had that. You saw things from a very um, organized perspective. When you were about five, I would say that a lot of that energy came in. That also is telling me that you're, you were older than your years. You came in as an old soul. You came in as an advanced. And most of the time, some advanced souls, they have difficulty getting here. So I would say that, you know, or even seeing things the way they're supposed to be. They think, wow, was this really supposed to be like it is? Why do I feel like I'm disconnected? I'm looking in. That's the kind of feeling I'm getting from seeing your vibration. When you were younger, like you saw the way things work. But you stood back and you looked into the situation. You assessed it. So I feel that that's opening up so much more understanding. And you do have a lot of the science background also. So the understanding that we are moving in a lot of different energetic fields right now, there's a, you know, the whole opportunity of that being understood clearer. You know, your initiatives are on organized thought and helping this initiative come in with your, the name of your beautiful podcast. So thank you. Thank you. I hope that makes sense for what it is at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes. we can go to the psychologist on that. Yeah, what, and how did that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, what well, would be helpful? So Terry has an amazing ability to, to see and to sense and to all of these amazing things. But if you don't mind sharing with us the pieces that um, really impacted you to hear and and a bit about that and we can work with it? Um, The part about the 11th year. So meaning when I was 11. Yes. Trying to think back to maybe that was sixth grade, seventh grade. Um, I do remember that was a year of independence what what I always love sharing with people was that I took the subway by myself when I was 11 I don't think I was supposed to (laughs) essentially I was supposed to meet my brother um, after school to go home together and he had said meet in the library I went to the the New York public library and he went to the school library and so we waited and I was just like I don't know where my brother is so I went home and it was like a 45 minute hour-long subway ride and it was so it was the sense of freedom independence and I felt very adult I was like yeah of course I can do this and and to this day I I look back and now I have a child and I'm thinking there is no way I'm letting a child (laughs) take the subway by themselves but that that year I remember 
um, that standing out. There may have been other things, so I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure what it, you may be picking up on. It did but... feel like that was your survival. That's who keeps you going. That's mm-hmm. the piece of you that takes your hand even today and walks you through a lot of taking risks. She's the little risk taker that knows what she's doing. And she knows that she's going to be safe no matter what. I think the the good part of me thinks that and the other part of me scared is scared. <laughs> yeah, what did it mean That's to you? My to mother have... speaking. Yes. <laughs> like don't do that. Yeah. What did it mean to you to have that independence looking back now? Um it's it's helping me as a parent temper myself. I mean my son is seven months old and already I'm thinking when he's 11, well, what will I let him do? That kind of thinking. And I, I have to consciously put myself back and say, what was I like at that age and what was important to me? And to me, freedom and a sense of independence is just key. It's the number one thing for me. Key for you as a parent to convey to your son? Um, Key for myself, like my own sense of being, my sense of um, just what I live for. I think everything I do now looking back on it is probably to create a sense of freedom for myself, which I think is very human and very common for people. Um, But in, in that particular case, it was the subway to me felt like I mean, as a native New Yorker, I grew up on the subway, basically. I don't know how other people perceive this, but the subway was my second home. I mean, I, as a kid, would, I had this little wagon and I would go around and around my apartment just reciting all the subway stops from um, where I lived on the, on the like Lower East Side all the way up to Queens, every, like what the subway conductor would say. And I eventually became an urban planner, which is all about cities and how um, you know, infrastructure and transportation, among other things, came together. So it, it was a huge part of me. I, maybe I saw it as an, a subway, as an equalizer, as a way for people to have freedom. Um, I don't know. So, so do you feel like you have fully come into that place of independence and freedom? Um, in some ways, yes, in terms of the work that I do, how I share my voice, um, creating this podcast, all of that to me is freedom of expression, which I wasn't maybe when I was young, maybe around five years old. I can't remember, but there was, there are definitely some points in time where there, there was no voice or I didn't like the way, the way I grew up. Um, it was very much like, you know, respect your parents, your authority, um, don't talk back, all of those things. So, so now in some, in some ways through work, yes. And I'm still learning. Sure. Do you have the sensation that Terry brought up of feeling like something's about to pop or to burst? Um, it could be any number of things. Uh, what what has been very real right now is with my baby and um, I think 
my listeners have probably followed my saga of my apartment issues. <laughs> and so <laughs> we had uh, some issues with our apartment, which we uh, could not resolve. And it was essentially putting us in a very, uh, um, I don't know what the right way to say this is, but essentially there, there was a, a tenant right below our apartment who was chain smoking the entire time, like day and night. And it placed us and my child in a an unsafe environment. I'm like analyzing as I say this because part of me is thinking, well, I want to adopt a perspective of I can have health no matter what the external environment is. And and yet the other part of my mind is saying, well, I mean, science says it's not healthy for a child to grow up or for anyone to grow up in that environment. So anyway, so we had to leave the apartment. And so right now we're in the middle of moving yet again, which is tough, tough to do in New York. And we're moving um, back to my parents' place temporarily, um, temporarily, quote unquote. We don't know what that time frame is going to look like, but it's kind of a convergence of um, where I think as a child I first and I'm like psychoanalyzing myself here, okay. <laughs> where, where I'm trying to gain that independence um, and now I'm back there. And so, but with a, my own family as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting to navigate. And we've been doing it fairly successfully. There has definitely been bumps in the road, but I see a lot of opportunity and a lot of commitment to family and having my parents have such a strong relationship with my, with my baby and, and really an opportunity to like, just reinvigorate my childhood home. It sounds as though this is an opportunity to learn key pieces that will help you step into the independence and freedom of your purpose of your life path. It's this slight pause to gather more, learn more. It's like a closing out piece. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to go backwards to go forwards. And this is a perfect opportunity that you've been given is you cannot stay in this apartment where you're living and therefore you're moving back to essentially your family of origin. And that is taking you to a place of, okay, where is my independence being taken? How do I kind of work with these dynamics, especially if I am going back to living with my parents? And it's it's almost like a closing out piece where you're learning things generationally as well as uh, things that are happening here and now as far as um, learning your next steps to actually be step into the woman that you're stepping into. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes what we are most fearful of in those situations is usually what we're needing to learn and to look at. Is there something you're fearful of? Um, there are a bunch of interconnected issues. One is my... Um, so I have visual impairments and ever since I was a, in high school and I had uh, sort of gone on a 
mini quest to find people who had healed their eyes, um, specifically the retinas. And so I came across this person, Mark Wolin, who does, uh, he's a director of family constellations in, in San Francisco, who had very similar eye issues. He had retinal problems. He was blind at some point, and he went on a multi-year around-the-world journey, spiritual seeking to find the answer. And the kicker in the story, which I always found funny, was, you know, he would wait for hours for this guru to tell him, just go home to your parents. <laughs> and he, he was like, why would I do that? I just traveled the world to do this. <laughs> and so he waited for another guru to tell him, you know, there's, just go home to your parents. And he went home, um, healed whatever was going on there, and one day his eyesight went back to 2020 and his ophthalmologist said i don't know how the light is refracting in your eye but somehow you are able to see even though your retina is completely scarred and when i heard that story i was thinking oh you know my my relationship with my parents perfectly fine you know blah 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 and then when this situation happened uh with the apartment what really got to me was when I was we were manifesting this perfect apartment for us and my intuition specifically said to choose this apartment and there was nothing wrong with it maybe a little bit I had the sense in the back of my mind I was like maybe we shouldn't choose this apartment but but we did and I took responsibility for saying yes my intuition said my full I had full body tingles when I was in this apartment and then it like I, for some, at some point I lost my trust in my intuition because I was like, why would my intuition, why would the universe send me to this and like live in this environment? And I had, you know, physical allergic reactions, um, being there for a couple of months, I was so angry and I'm like about to cry just thinking about it. And I'm like actually crying <laughs> thinking about it because I wanted to protect my baby and I couldn't. <laughs> Yes. And I felt like I had put him in that situation because I trusted my intuition. And then um, just recently when we were talking about what can we do, this idea of moving back to our parents, which is in America, it's like the thing you don't want to do, <laughs> especially in um when you're talking about freedom and at my age with, a, with my own family. And somehow I've, I now see why, because that was the only way I could break that lease. <laughs> and, um, that was probably the only reason I would move back with my family, with my parents. So the fear you asked, I don't really know what the fear is. Maybe the fear is like the eyes. Maybe I'm hoping this is a a journey of recovery for my eyes by going back to my parents, saying to so. Mark Wolin. Yeah, I think, so. I think we're all in agreement on I, that. You am, started. Yeah. You started with that when you started telling mm -hmm. that story, and thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So, um, when there's something going on with our eyes, it usually means that um, 
and Terry would probably be able to speak to this better than I can, but more um, there's a greater opening of sight in a spiritual sense. Yes, and that's where we came in of how this is so important, that five-year-old that felt she had no freedom and the 11-year-old aspect of being able to have her freedom. And it's a matter of going back to collect these pieces so your son can have his sight also Mm -hmm. with your sight. So if you were seeing ahead to his 11th year and thinking about how he could ever be put on a subway, your 11th year was also coming up and saying, yes, maybe you do need to have your intuition and maybe it's not always right. But that moment it is. But it's also leaning you into the understanding that everything has a reason, even moving into this apartment and even going back to your parents. So when I was initially reading for you, this all makes sense and where you're going three, six, and 18 months from here, it'll all make perfect sense because this is going to attach your sight um, and attach your intuition more and attach your freedom more and also protect your freedom more of seeing things Um, and maybe sometimes asking for the intuitive to come into more deeper knowledge and deeper faith and deeper structure. So all this makes sense now. Well, I think you never really think, oh, okay, my plan is to move back in with my parents. (laughs) (laughs) And so so, uh, your intuition was leading you down a path where that is a viable option for the reason that we just spoke of. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily wrong, just right in a different way right after the 2020 can happen Mm -hmm. right after you can look back and say oh okay that happened so that this can happen so that this can happen Mm -hmm. and those pieces are yet to come part of it is living the mystery and understanding that part of this mystery is unfolding naturally easily effortlessly and Maybe something more was going to happen. We don't have control over everything. We may have our portion of our intuition that comes for our own personal protection. But we're also at the odds of a lot of other people's karma. And right now, we're I think we're in Carmageddon sometimes. It just happens where everything <laughs> is hitting at once. And we don't know who owns what, but it just is coming at us. And, you know, the guy smoking, maybe he had a relapse. And, you know, at the time that you made that decision to have that apartment, it he wasn't smoking. All of a sudden, he, his free will, he took up smoking again. So the best thing is always, you know, we're trying to always move free will and divine will into greater purpose and into perfect alignment. Sometimes people just go off on their disabled will. And it could have been just the elements and the things that were happening outside your control. Like, I'm a mother of four kids. And I know that I'm very protected over my children. I'd like to keep them from all sorts of harm, even to this day, even though that they're older. So this is part of your personal experience in training yourself and teaching your children that you go with your gut, that this is something you decided to do and not beat yourself up for it. 
self-love all the way. All possibilities. (laughs) Are you interested in getting your own intuitive reading? Are you wondering how you can align more with your purpose? I offer introductory sessions to my Discover Your Purpose readings and coaching. As part of the All Possibilities community, you get 10% off the intro session. You get a one-on-one phone call with me where I'll do an assessment of your life and give you an intuitive reading on the highest guidance for you at this time. You'll get actionable steps that you can get started on to create the life you want. Just use All Possibilities 2018 as the promo code. That's All Possibilities 2018. Visit beingmypurpose.com for more information on my services. Earlier, you had wrestled with uh, patient confidentiality when you were sharing. And I know that has to do with your own code of ethics and your license. What are the kinds of obstacles that you had to address and look at in order to be doing something like this with a clairvoyant medium? Because, you know, I know it's it's definitely not traditional and it's not something that you typically see in the therapist's office. So what did you have to do to get to this point? So... We had many pieces in the start of figuring out, was this even allowed in our field? Um, And we consulted a lot with our um, risk management team that we have for our liability insurance and figuring out what we could and couldn't do, what was safe zone and unsafe zone. Um, Safe zone was referring, right? So if somebody comes to see us and then we say, we think that you would benefit from seeing a clairvoyant medium, we work directly with one, would you like to see it? That's... That's different because that's their choice, right? But with all three of us together is where it started crossing the, this isn't quite acceptable yet in the field of psychology. What do we do yet. with this? Yep, yet. So Teresa and I had a long discussion of how we wanted to handle that and what we wanted to do. And we decided to, at that point, go into coaching because we have the background in psychology which also trains at the aspects of coaching, and we could still guide people in the way they were needed to be guided. We had some hangups with that in that if someone has a mental illness and needs to work on their mental illness and needs treatment for that, so depression or anxiety or psychosis or any of those aspects of mental illness, that we would have to treat them as psychologists separate or send them to a treatment provider who could do that. And it would have to be a separate service. Now, that that being said, and of course, nothing's that black and white, right? So there are some people, particularly nowadays, that are either experiencing awakenings or were born awake. And these are individuals who see things and hear things and experience things and have greater awareness of even dimensions and where they overlap and and the experience of those. And the field of psychology and mental health doesn't know what to do with that because these people don't have disorders. They're they're not 
they're not in severe distress because of their experiences. And if they are in distress because of the experiences, it's because they're trying to integrate, they're trying to understand, they're trying to know how to use what what information they have access to, but they do not have a mental illness. It's not a mental illness. And so our field, the field of psychology, looks at these individuals and struggles, right? Like, what do we do? Because they say they have these experiences that we don't have. So, of course, we'd say it's a hallucination or, of course, we'd say it's a delusion. Mm. But we know it's not, right? And you look to physics or you look to energy work and you look to all this research that's out there that the main medical model says that's not true. But there's research to support this. People have experiences to support this. We have cultures that we know where if somebody is having those experiences, they're sent off to become a shaman. They're not put off as a disease. So for Teresa and I, this is something that we very much work with and we label as what we do as guides or in the realm of coaching because those individuals do not have a mental illness. It's not something they have to overcome. It's something they are working to figure out and know how to work with. And that's where a lot of our work with Terry comes in, is helping individuals in those places. Also, I feel like the people that come to us are expecting the service. They are signing up for the service that we're providing. And in that sense, we're not gonna run into a problem of someone not wanting what they're coming to us for Mm -hmm. right right and then when you were in school for training was the did they kind of address you know there there's going to be a segment of population or maybe more and more so that Um, professionals have been finding that they have these experiences and these are the different ways you can approach them or is it really they're they fit into this disease category do you find that that line is blurring or is that evolving now um i don't i would love to say that the line's blurring but i don't think we're quite there yet and i think we are getting there as people the field of psychology itself, um, from what I've seen, so in my opinion, and I would assume my wife would have the same, is that there's what's called cognitive dissonance in the field. So the field itself has a psychological component to it where it says this is right and wrong all at the same time. So we look at other cultures and say, well, of course, if you're seeing these things that are spiritual and you're hearing these things, and you're receiving intuitive guidance, and you're using those to help your community, it's okay because you live in a small town in South America or in Africa or in many other countries. But here in the U.S., we can't do that. We don't do that. That's not something we can accept here. In our culture, it's not, through the majority, acceptable. So for us, it's a disease. And we struggle, right? So if a doctor sees a patient and says, I can't understand you or what you're talking about, what you're saying doesn't make logical sense for where we are in our culture at this day and time, then that person, depending, could very much start seeming like they have delusions or hallucinations when that may not be the case at all. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, to add to that, um, the whole cognitive dissonance within the field. So Carl Jung uh, started working with things like 
journeying and um, the unconscious in in a much bigger sense than Freud did, even though Carl Jung was a predecessor at one point of Freud. But I digress. So Jung started working with these unconscious, bigger unconscious topics that we work with now uh, that and he was seen more of a guru, <laughs> a, a, a person that is well-regarded, that uh, knew what he was talking about. There's, There are all these books. He was a great psychologist, yet at the same time, at the same time, if someone else that isn't Carl Jung were to do or present these ideas or topics, they might be considered schizophrenic or psychotic. So there's that divide of who can do it and who can't. Interesting. And Terry, you've seen this evolve over time in terms of science and spirituality and what is generally accepted and what's not, what's your take on this? You know, we have so much to learn. And I feel absolutely in awe of what it is we really don't understand yet in the field of energy. And over time, over throughout history, we've survived and how did we survive without technology? How did we survive as a human race? We used to put our hands on each other and pray. And where did that energy come from that could heal? Nobody questioned it. They just did it. So the intuition going back into the intuitive soul, into the soul piece, how that is so evolving right now because I've watched energy healing. I remember being in the 90s and working with some noetic sciences, and they were trying to figure out with Herbert Benson of um, Harvard, right? And they were trying to figure out where were these modules coming from? Was it coming from the recipient or was it coming from um, the healer? And they were trying to figure out how Reiki was going to be incorporated, what was happening with energy work, how we were starting to understand the human energy field and the dynamics of, you know, physics or a much more complex system that seems to be very in tune to what we originally had understood as very simplistic. So they created, you know, an entire format to study it. And now Reiki is in hospitals, it's in um, establishments, and it also has a 1.8 diagnosis code on the insurance for a disturbance to the electric magnetic energy field. So underneath that understanding, a disturbance to the electric magnetic energy field, what is the energy field and what is a disturbance? I think that we're um, kind of creating the integration between what is simplistic and what is complex. You know, having said that, I've seen a lot of changes through my time. My mother used to put her hands on people in hospitals and she used to hide from the doctors and put her hands on people. And there were a lot of miracles, what we considered miracles at that time you know, um, heart conditions being healed, brain tumors being healed, um, things that I've noticed with, you know, I've worked with some Columbia and some Yale doctors here in town, and they were amazed how you can actually take a person through the dynamics of healing along with 
you know, integrative um, therapies along with the, you know, the places where we need to go for cancer treatment, that we do need to have a support of the, of the, the drugs, you know, the chemotherapy and those type of experiences along with the MRIs, but how baffling it is when something is totally off the grid, like a tumor changing shape and being able to pop, pop out of a four-year-old's brain, which the kid had a four, four month um, prognosis. I've worked on cases where they couldn't figure it out and how it changed molecularly. Um, We're still learning a lot. Um, for them, they're interested and fascinated. We're catching their attention, and we have been te- catching their attention with the way of energy fields and energy medicine and energy grids. Now I feel it's a little bit more deeper because now we're coming into the thought and theory process, and this was really exciting and fascinating for me because I like to dissect everything. I'm kind of like, let me just get into the engineering engineering component of the soul. And these ladies just have it. They can see it. They can feel it. They can experience it. They're looking at their intuition and they're looking at their soul development along with their psychological health and maintenance for themselves and for other people. So um, there will be cases where people will need to have heavy psychology, obviously, and there'll be a place where people are trying to expand into their own connective consciousness. And this feels like very organic at this time frame. It's fantastic because even I feel somewhat nervous sharing with my own medical doctors what I do, <laughs> in part because I just don't think they'll understand or they might, you know, raise a, an eyebrow <laughs> or say you might need to uh, refer to somebody else and and to to get to the point where as people as guides as coaches as professionals you are open about your approach and uh how you see the human body and spirit i think that's that's just a beacon of light for people to come so i'm really glad that you are kind of pioneering this collaboration thank you i had a um neuropsychiatrist ask me to his office which was in Newtown, Connecticut. And he said, you know, I can't help certain people. Can you just come and be a medium for a couple of my clients who have lost children or loved ones? Can you just come and do what you need to do? I can't help them. I've gone far enough. So yeah, I had my table up there and he gave me a place free of rent and said, just see if you can help them. And it was amazing. And he was, he, he was very ready to see where you know, where he ended and maybe the mystery of all of this began Um, because he was really understanding that that was about all he could do. That was it. And what she needed to know is that her child was okay. And that, you know, the child came back and gave some very clear remembrances that were very connected and they were very real. Nobody could have pulled it out of anywhere. And she just wanted to know that her child was going to be okay, that they were okay. Even though they passed, they were on the other side still connecting and saying, I remember this, I remember that. So um, the psychiatrist could not have done that. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was looking for. And that's when she began to get well. Amazing. It takes a very open individual to to even kind of invite, invite an, another perspective into their office too. 
Yes, it was. um, I think it was part of a trial testing and seeing and also um, someone who had some spiritual beliefs. Also, you know, he very much did. And um, he was from another culture. He was he was from a different area of the world as well. So where things were maybe more accepted. Well, this has been quite a conversation, but it's not over yet. Join me again next week for part two of this amazing interview, including how you can advance your awakening process, visions of what the future may hold, and a rapid-fire series of questions that brings me back to one of the most important visions I ever had. We'll see you next time, but for now, keep on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.